Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2012. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Cary, North Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of Tyke Durst. Hey, Tyke, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? She's in gear. I'm just waiting for the green to drop. All right. I love it. So before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about your world of racing, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Tyke Durst? I was a cadet in the Civil Air Patrol, the auxiliary to the Air Force, for a very long time. Really? Yes. I was a flight sergeant. And what does is, what is that involve? So Civil Air Patrol's like, three main missions are like aerospace training, like cadet orientation, and rescue missions. Wow. So like, we'd go out and find old people who got lost in the woods or uh, go and fly planes a lot. But we'd also focused on being good cadets. So for a while, I was a flight sergeant and I had all the newbies, but the pandemic hit and I kind of started chasing my racing dreams. So, yeah. That's very cool. Now, is this something that you did through school or was it outside of school? This was outside of school. Unfortunately, we didn't have a JROTC in our school, so I couldn't go and do it there. Very cool. Wow, that's very noble. Very nice. And for you listeners, uh, you'll learn that uh, you must have started doing this when you were pretty young, right? Racing or? No, the cadet. I started that when I was like 15. So actually, no, not that young, but. Well, it's young on my side of the fence. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Of course. Well, we'll get started and we'll have a little bit of fun here. Tykters is an 18-year-old racer who has different plans than most high schoolers. He's in training to earn a spot in Formula 4 racing and is driving in the Winter Y Academy with Ganello Racing. Formula 4 is a category of open-wheel racing that's intended for young drivers as an entry into the world of motorsports. It's a way to expose young talents as a step up from kart racing. The cars you Utilize both turbocharged and naturally aspirated four-cylinder engines and can produce up to 160 horsepower, and they're capable of reaching speeds of 165 miles an hour. Tyke grew up watching Top Gun, and that fueled a serious need for speed. On his 18th birthday, his parents gave him a birthday gift of a trip to the Skip Barber Racing School in Lime Rock Park, and that experience put him on a trajectory to becoming a professional race car driver. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our loving sponsor, so give him a little listen. And we'll be right back. I love Covercraft's new five-layer all-climate cover. It was developed and engineered for anything Mother Nature can throw our way. It's very soft, breathable, and easy to store and pampers your paint and interior surfaces, providing maximum UV, rain, dust, and snow protection. Add their gust guard for windy conditions for extra protection. Their five-layer all-climate cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form and fit with a quality and attention that's been their standard since 1965. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft. Too. Every one of my vehicles is protected by a Covercraft cover. And I have a deal for you. Use the code YA21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just type in the word YAH, Y-E-A-H, 2-1 at checkout, YA21 at Covercraft.com. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
Most people don't think about their collector car insurance until their annual premium becomes due. Well, why wait and see if there are better options for your beloved rides? I didn't. Did you know if you change carriers before your policy runs out, your insurance company has to refund you the unearned portion of your policy premium? I did my homework, I shopped around, and I found American Collectors Insurance. And that's who protects my Porsche Turbo. That's right, the one I call my Orange Crush. They've been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I encourage you to call my friends at American Collectors Insurance. Ask them about their agreed value policy. And if your collector vehicle is on your regular auto policy, you will be shocked at the savings, not to mention the assurance, should something bad happen to your ride, that you'll get what your vehicle is actually worth. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866- 224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call today. So, Tyke, we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner, something you know a lot about. Let's start with your passion for racing. What led you into wanting to go racing? And then we're going to take a little ride around the track with uh, what you're doing right now. But how did this all begin? So I guess it really, there's kind of a joke in my family that I always copy my brother. My brother got really into like watching F1. And I don't think he never really had like an interest in driving. But for me, like that was always like one of the coolest things about it was the drivers in it. And when I got my first car, I quickly realized it's not as it's not as easy as turning a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. And that like passion to like really learn how those guys did it, I think, is what really set it off. And I started watching everything I could about racing and like how to drive understeer, oversteer, and it just went from there. Well, I, obviously, F1. You started at the top. Do you have a team when you started watching F1 uh, car or driver that you followed that you really admired? So I'm like a Lando fanboy, I guess. So (laughs) McLaren, of course. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I had uh, Brown, the leader of uh, McLaren on the show not too long ago. So you have to go back and listen to that show if you haven't. But that's a wonderful team. And what a legacy and what a history uh, that that brand and Mark has. That It just goes back so, so far. Yes. Uh, It's absolutely fantastic. So let's kind of bring it forward to what you're doing right now, because you're in this special category of racing that's kind of a stepping stone to get you to where you want to go so talk about what you're up to this year so this year is kind of our our like uh platform year we're really going to start from here basically our goal is to get into a formula four series and just develop as much as i can as a driver and just look for results at the end and push at the end for a championship if we can so will you be running in actual races this year as long as everything goes well, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. considering what we went through the last two years, you kind of have to uh, cross your fingers sometimes with that because, uh, boy, yes, that, that's, that messed a lot of things up. Let's, <laughs> let's hope we get out of that. So talk about this, uh, this team that you're with. So Ganella Racing is ran by a guy named Ernie Ganella. He's from Argentina. Real cool dude. He started racing. He kind of like me. He, did, he got a really late start in racing, but mm-hmm. he made a professional career out of it. And moved to the United States, raced for a while, and then settled down and uh, started his own Formula 4 team to try and bring talent up. So have you been in these cars yet? Have you been some doing, done some drives? 
Yes, sir. I've done a couple of test days at Homestead, and then we just finished up two weeks ago with the Academy Winter Testing Series. So that was all a bunch of testing at Sebring and Homestead, trying to knock out as many laps as we can and really get into it. So what went through your head? I mean, the first time you strapped yourself into one of these cars, they go fast. They're very cool looking. Oh. Uh, definitely uh, a step up from, let's say, go-karts, of course. Yes, I mean, what was going through your mind when you got in that thing the first time you got to go out and drive it? I mean, every time you get strapped into that car, it's kind of like a realization moment. Yeah. Like when the mechanic really straps you and it's like, ooh, I am attached to this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if this thing, I'm going with it. So strapping into it for the first time, my nerves were all over the place. Like my hands were shaking. Okay. And yeah, I had also put a lot of pressure on myself because that was like my first kind of real tryout for a team. Uh-huh. And I just went out there and set kind of bad times. But after those nerves were gone, we got to work on it. Well, I think that's a big part of it is getting through that first nervousness when you get into a car and you're yes. not quite sure you've never done it. And of course, you got the pressure around you of, especially when you're young, I think you're thinking my whole career relies on this moment right here, which yes, sir. doesn't really, but kind of does in some ways. So what are some of the things that you learned when you first went out in this car compared to say something you'd driven before that was really different? Well, my first time driving a Formula car was actually with Skip Barber at New Jersey Motorsports Park. And the first time hopping into that, you realize it's it's not a road car at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't take anything from driving a fat old 3,000 pound BMW to a, a Formula 4 car. And just the way it darts around and the tires are insanely different because you really have to warm them up. And they're slick, so they don't tell you if they're going to break loose. Mm-hmm. And that's always kind of a scary feeling. <laughs> yeah, when that happens, like, what just happened? Holy cow. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's really fun stuff. You know, the, the most recent racer I just had in the show was Paul Tracy. And uh, if you go back and look at his career, you know, I was, I was teasing him uh, as kind of being the bad boy of racing. And <laughs> he talked about why he kind of became that persona. He was a very shy guy. But one of the things he talked about was, you know, he drove after IndyCar a lot of different kinds of cars and how different all the different kinds of racing yes. were, and you had to learn. Now, are you on a path uh, similar to Paul of a road to Indy? Is that where you'd like to head head to? Uh, eventually, yeah. I think getting to IndyCar would be the dream shot. Mm-hmm. But I think what's one thing that's amazing about the road to Indy is the fact that even if you don't make the IndyCar, a lot of those drivers kind of get scooped up into like endurance or uh, sports cars. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I've always loved... GTLM was like my favorite category of racing oh, yeah. for a long time. And I really supported the M8 GTEs and all that. So I really wanted to go and become a factory driver for BMW just because I love BMW. So Nice. I do too. I've had, uh, had four M3s. And, and BMW M3s were the car that got me into the track and got me into racing when I did yes, vintage sir. racing was my E36 M3. And putting slicks on that thing and going out to driver's day <laughs> with the club. And I just went, I like this, but I don't want to trash my street car because yeah. it's got to get me to work on Monday morning. Maybe I should get a real race car. But yeah, the BMW is a great mark. And I've had many BMWs for, for many, many years and, and still have my my beloved E46 M3 in the garage that I bought new. That thing's 16 years old now. I can't believe it. But it's, yes. it's still a wonderful car to drive. I love it. A little bit heavy, but... I don't take it on the track. I just enjoy it. So they're great, great cars. When you think about other options in racing, what are some of them? You you touched on a few there. What are a few that you really admire if you look out there at all the different things that are available to you? 
so admiring to me all forms of motorsports are cool like drag racing the fact that that they have these giant v8s that produce 3000 or something horsepower yeah then you have boat racing which is like if you go and look at all the records of boat racing it's insanely dangerous and crazy i just admire everything because i think racing is very like one one of the reasons why i wanted to become like a pilot and a air force like fighter pilot yeah it's because it's very like mano y mano like man versus man and a lot of racing is the same thing that's one of the reasons why i really love it oh, i love it well i i said that in your intro a need for speed yes sir uh it goes back to that first top gun uh movie of course i have a need for speed so you're very very cool now one of the things that you younger racers these days have that many of the older racers I've had on the show is virtual racing. So I'd love for yes. you to talk a little bit about that because I know you're pretty involved in that. So luckily, Rob Howden, the series director for like the Road to Indy, he reached out to me one day and was like, hey, I heard you were doing some testing with Ganella. And he invited me to come down and do some virtual racing at VIR for the Road to Indy E-Series Prospects. Nice. And the first race went horribly <laughs> well it's the first one so there you yes. go but we made it through we didn't make it to the next round so the next round that we just did was at barber motorsports park oh cool. uh, great place and i finished p10 and p5 nice the first race was also a disaster but <laughs> well i was learning. getting blocked yes yeah you were getting blocked eh uh, they the only they saw my move on a guy that i had to make and it was a very very ambitious move ah i see well, that's what you got to do. I think it was Ayrton Senna that said, if you see a, a place to pass and you don't take it, then you're not a racer. He said it more eloquently than I did. But uh, yeah, I remember that quote. He was one of my uh, F1 heroes uh, going back in time. That line always pops up in chat when someone takes you out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy times. It's always has been. Have there been or is there a very inspiration i like to call it a driving inspiration in your life somebody who's been very influential a mentor or someone that's really helped you along at this point in your racing career so racing is very much like a single person sport and the fact that there's one person driving the car one person making the decisions out on track but behind them is or an insane amount of people that are very supportive and if they if that racer didn't have those people i don't think they'd be out on track the person who really stands out for me is one of my Teachers at my school named Mr. Moore. He's a social studies teacher, and I always go to him at the end of the day because he loves to talk about racing. He set me up with Deb, and Deb set me up with this podcast, so yeah. I kind of have him to thank for that. You know, it's really awesome when you have great instructors, and I think back to all my years in school all the way through elementary, junior, high, high school, college, and what's a little bit sad to me is there's really not a lot of my pre teachers that really stand out, but there are a handful that really made a difference, and, yes, and sir. they either had some kind, they shared some kind of passion I had. Now, I grew up a surfer in Southern California, so some, oh, were, sur yes. some were surfers, which was kind of cool. Some were into cars. My math teacher was real into Porsches, and I was into Porsches, so we talk about Porsches. But more so, have you found that the teachers that are really influential and, and nourishing to you are the ones that are challenging all the time, the hard teachers? Well, luckily, I've never had to have Mr. Moore in a class. <laughs> oh, okay. But he is he is very challenging on his students because I see it all the time. He always like, ah, he used the wrong there. And it's he gets frustrated with it and always tries to push his students to be the best. So Well, that's what a great teacher does. And and I'll do a, uh, a shout out here to our mutual friend, Deb Pollock. She uh, brought 
Tyke to the show today. I've known Deb for a long time. She's brought a lot of great people to the show. She works in the world of PR. She does a lot of work with Rob Dickinson, of course, of Singer Porsche, one of my dream rides. Yes. Maybe someday, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that sure is a nice thing to think about. But uh, Deb is a great person in the automotive industry. So thank you very much, Deb. Another great thing Deb is involved in is Drive Toward a Cure. It's a way to raise funds and awareness for Parkinson's disease and research and patient care. She's raised close to a million dollars to fight this uh, terrible disease. And the money that is donated goes to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, the Parkinson's Foundation. uh, And she puts on some really cool tours where the money raised goes to to fight this disease. So you can check that out on her website at drivetowardacure.org. If you were going to advise another young person to get into racing, maybe somebody that's, you know, five, six, seven years old, eight years old, what kind of advice would you give them? Find people. I think finding people is very important. You need to find people who are going to support you, push you in the right direction and uh, just help you out. And I also think you just need to get on the track. Yeah. Yeah. You said, you know, you said something really important, Tyke, and I've learned this over and over again is uh, it really is we are the culmination of the people we surround ourselves with. And yes, you sir. go back to when you were you were in school, still in school when I was in school. And my mom always said, be careful who you pick as your friends and yes. pick, pick people that are better than you because you will aspire to uh, be like them. And uh, she gave me the same advice for uh, the woman I married, which she's much smarter <laughs> than me. And I've uh, been married 37 years. So somehow it works. I'll, I'll pass that along to you for that day in your life life when it comes along is find a woman who pushes you, a woman who's a lot smarter than you. It always works out better. That's for sure. We'll take a short break. We come back. I want to talk about maybe a big challenge you've faced up to this day. So keep that in mind. Keep strapped into the car and we'll be right back. Auto Geek's Blackfire SiO2 Spray Sealant. It's a spray-on, wipe-off sealant that's quick, safe, and easy to clean and protect your vehicles. I love using it on all my cars. Auto Geek's Blackfire SiO2 spray sealant is a spray-on wipe-away sealant that uses SiO2 ingredients to provide a slick, brilliant, and long-lasting shine. Silicon dioxide is known to be one of the most effective ingredients in car care products, and Blackfire spray sealant takes advantage of every stunning feature it has to offer. This sealant will protect your paint from road film, dirt, and other common contaminants while providing an impeccable, long-lasting, hydrophobic surface that forces water to sheet and bead on your paint for months. Go to autogeek.net to get yours and for the best product selections on the internet today, along with their skilled technical support. Autogeek.net is where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. Check them out today. Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 
So, Tyke, let's talk about this. No doubt you've run up against probably some obstacles, challenges, maybe even a failure or two. Uh, I like to ask this question because it's more about how you overcame that situation and what valuable lesson it taught you. So let's take a ride on a little bumpy course here. So 2020 was, in general, just a very difficult year for everybody. But for me, it really messed me up because I was a straight-A student all through high school and to go online, I didn't have that much self-discipline when we started. Oh, yeah. So my grades just took a very hard and sudden slump. And I had always like wanted to go to the Air Force Academy. And to watch that like slip away yeah. was very hard. I put a lot of miles in my car for certain. And all those miles on the car really helped me realize how much I enjoyed racing. And I think it also just taught me about your path always isn't direct. We've been hearing a lot about that from our school counselors, especially in our senior year of people go to college and then they switch majors or they find something else they love. And I think that's always a real important thing is do what you love. Don't get set out on a straight path and think it's never going to change. You know, my hat's off to the youth around the world these last two years, because what you young people have had to go through is unlike anything I've ever seen or ever thought of. Now, maybe you could go back 100 years when things were very different. Yeah. <laughs> but for modern day times, the fact that young people had to deal with this and it, it derailed so many people in so many negative ways. But in in some ways, I imagine it taught you, in your case, self-discipline. You had to learn that you had to get yeah. some self-discipline because, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like having parents that just don't care and let you do whatever you want. We all have friends like that and you see how those kids end up. Uh, They end up a mess. So my hat's off to you for having to deal with this. And and I think for the most part, most young people have figured out how to make this work. And and I really, really admire what well old people too have had to go through, but just young people. And not being able to be around friends, I think that to me, if you had to pick something out of this COVID situation and, and online learning, what was the biggest detriment in your mind? Was it not being around friends? I would think that would be the key thing. I mean, in the beginning, we weren't around friends, but at the kind of when the pandemic had really settled in, it was actually really nice because you could get off of school early and go hang out with some of them. Oh, okay. But not being able to like see teachers and really have them push yeah, me, I yeah. think was what really let me down. So I would, you know, my sister's a teacher. She's a special ed teacher. Imagine being a special cool. ed teacher and having to do that online. That's not fun. Incredibly challenging and really bad for the student. I mean, really bad for the students. So, uh, yeah, yeah, again, oh my gosh. Well, you guys have come through and for the most part done it in a stellar manner. So, uh, again, my hat's off to uh, all the young people in the world that have had to deal with this. They're still dealing with it right now. Yes. Yeah, we try. We, well, it's all you can do is try and do a little better. So if you looked ahead at your bucket list, and I'm not going to go too far out because bucket lists, as you said, uh, your, your path is not always direct. Things can change and being flexible is really important in life. Let's just say for the next three years, where do you see Ooh. yourself in the next three years on the track? Well, hopefully just climbing the ladder, getting as high up as I can and trying to figure out how to make a career out of it. And to go beyond three years, because I know you'd like to hear this, yeah. I really want to drive an E30 M3. Like, I just have to do that. <laughs> well, darn I it. I have just... a friend that just sold one. I could have got oh. you that ride. Yeah. In fact, I've got another friend who's got one uh, going up on Bring a Trailer very soon. He's up here in the Northwest. His car is probably one of the cleanest E30 M3s I've ever seen. Oh. 
Yeah, it's Hennerot, and it is, uh, yeah, watch Bring a Trailer. This thing is insane. Uh, he's one of those detailed Concord kind of guys. But, yes, sir. you know, I have no doubt you're going to find somebody that has one. And when you do drive it, I've got another friend actually that has, you got to come out and visit me. I've got a lot of friends with E30s. He's got one that's a driver. He enjoys it. He doesn't baby it too much. Um, I think yes. you'll find it to be a very interesting drive. Yeah, I've always heard it's really buzzy. But yeah, I think yeah. I'm just addicted to how it looks. <laughs> well, I tell you, when those cars came out, I kind of thought they were a little silly looking, to be quite honest. And yeah. and I'll tell you why, because it's just like, what is this thing trying to be like a sedan, trying to be a race car? What what's with the bulgy fenders? Now that was when I was Malignation. young. Yeah, I've I've matured now, so now I see what they're up to. And I think the first time you drive one, and no doubt you'll get a seat in one. Uh, you're gonna go, okay, this is what I like about this thing. It is. Is very cool. It's nothing like any new car, though. It's very analog. Yes. Yeah. Buzzy's a good way. I haven't heard it described that way. I like that. Buzzy. Yeah. Well, that's that's always what I hear. So. You, know, you come out and visit me, and I'll, I'll call my friend Douglas, and we'll put you in the seat of that car. Um, like although that. he'll go, what are you doing? Giving my car to a race car driver. Crazy? <laughs> Actually, he and I, when we first started taking our BMWs on the track, he has a 2002 as well. And he took both of those cars to the track and uh, drove them on the track. And I got to drive both of them on the track. And uh, very fun car. Both of them, very different, very fun, very different than the E36 M3. So there you go, no doubt. So let's talk about special cars. We just did that. But is there a special car in your life right now? Now, this could be a street car or it could be the race car that you're driving. So funny thing, I also, well, my parents are kind of crazy. <laughs> That's not bad. They they let me watch Top Gun when I was four and then turned it off because I heard a bad word. Oh, wow. Well. For my first car, they allowed me to buy a E46 M3. Oh. So, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a convertible and an SMG, but it's still the best car. I love it so much. You still have it? Yes, sir. Man, your parents aren't crazy. They're very cool. Yes, they are very cool, too. <laughs> wow. Well, I tell you, my M3 is an SMG, and I know there's a lot of people out there going, shame on you. But it's a it's a fun little transmission. You can still rev match it and flip oh, it all you want. Man, I tell you, I had a the first gen, when they first came out in 01, that was manual. But my commute, it was my daily driver, was t- terrible. Yeah. And I just got tired. And then I went from that to a... Uh, a Porsche 993, a C4S, which made my commute even worse. I know that sounds crazy, but sitting in traffic is just no fun in a car like that. So I bought it. Yeah. I bought my current one in 05, brand new, and I put SMG. All my friends laughed at me. They probably still do. But I love the way that car drives. Yes, especially with the S54. Like yeah. Yeah. driving a manual with that kind of, it would still be a lot of fun, especially at high revs. But starting and stopping with that engine would yeah be interesting yeah and it's got that sport button which makes things kind of fun yes sir yeah my kids used to go dad can i push the sport button (laughs) okay (laughs) hold on oh man i love it i love my car and convertibles are fun so i mean yes you've got very cool parents uh yes sir most definitely uh i I bought my son a porsche 914 as his first car my wife immediately nixed that idea (laughs) <laughs> she said some SUV ladies drawing her phone's going to drive right over the top of him. Oh. No, so he ended up with a, what did we get him? A 328 CI. Okay. Which was a very nice car. Fun car yeah. for him. Yeah. So uh, Nancy was her name. So I'm going to crawl into your head here and be your car psychologist. So I want you to sit back on the couch, psychologist's office, and think about this. If you were manifest as a vehicle, what would Tyke Durst be? But this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive your fel- yourself, the man in the mirror. And more importantly, why? 
I put a lot of thought into, th- or I put a lot of thought into this one, Good. but I couldn't really come up with anything. <laughs> oh, I wanted on. to say I rock Z Camaro just because I love the '80s, and most of the time I have some hair band in my ears when I'm prepping to get into the race car. Okay, but I'd probably just say a Chevy C10. I just want to keep chugging and working towards what I'm doing and yeah. do it well. You know, a lot of people have answered that question similar, like Ford F-150 or, you know, just do the job, Volvo station wagon. I mean, yeah, yeah, just I do the job, I get in and I make it happen. But an IROC is kind of fun. So, yes, sir. yeah, I like that, too. Maybe it's a crossover, uh, a mix <laughs> of the two somehow. I don't know. We'll see. You know, I think you sound like you're a very mature young man and you sound like somebody that understands the importance of of giving back and helping others. In fact, you talked about that uh, program you were in with the cadets at the beginning. Um, what does that mean to you in your life? And are there ways that you're finding to be able to continue to do that, to give back to others and help others? Well, yeah, my dad and my parents always taught me to be as charitable as possible. And when you're driving a car with massive advertising space and some attention on it, you know, I think it's always important to support people who are trying to do amazing things in the world. So that's why when the opportunity with Deb came up to support Drive Towards Gear, I kind of took it with both arms open just because Parkinson's isn't, is not a very fun thing to deal with. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll remind uh, listeners, and I'll put a link to her website on Tyke's show notes page. Drive Toward a Cure is a program that Deb started. She's raised lots of money, I think close to a million bucks here, yes. to help with Parkinson's. Her mother had Parkinson's. My mother suffers from that. Uh, it's just a terrible disease and so debilitating and so frustrating. And she puts on these great rides where people can take their cars and go yeah. out and do these things and, and raise money for uh, Parkinson's. So uh, yeah, Deb, my hat's off to her and all the people that contribute. But your parents taught you a very valuable lesson there about the importance of life, and that is helping other people. That is the secret yes, sauce to life for sure. So again, see, your parents aren't crazy at all. So no. just do everything they say. Uh, <laughs> they'll be sending me a check later. Now, when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to uh, books, I have a feeling that you're a, a well-read young man. Is there a great book you'd like to share with us? So I actually don't read that much, but when I do read, I always try and find it something with like a passion I'm into. Uh-huh. So, not something to deal with racing, but because I've always been into, like, the military and fighter jets, there's an author called Dan Hampton, and he made a book called Hunter Killers. It's a book about the wild weasel pilots in Vietnam, and essentially, wild weasel pilots are these guys who are the most seat-of-the-pants pilots, like, ever, because these planes are very, like, analog, but they're super high-performance because they're, you know, Vietnam-era jets. Yeah. And they'd fly into Vietnam and go and hunt down... SAM sites, the surface-to-air missile sites, so they're getting shot at and they're trying to shoot the things that are shooting them, and so it's a very, very dangerous mission, and it's just very cool to read about what those pilots went through and just the absolute craziness of what they were doing. I can't even imagine... Uh, I mean, I have a good friend I grew up with. His father was shot down. He was a pilot over Vietnam and sadly yeah. never came home. And uh, and I remember one time getting to go to the air base and walk out. It was I grew up in San Diego, so we had uh, Miramar Naval Air Station. Yes. And in fact, that's where I think that's where they shot the first Top Gun was yep. in, in that area. And uh, getting to crawl into a jet. And uh, this one, I was a little kid, so it would have been in the late 60s. So those are Ooh, airplanes F-4s. from that. Yeah, those yeah. are, yeah, uh, just absolutely incredible. And I mean, planes now are just crazy sophisticated. Yes. Um, I mean, just incredible. I don't even know how pilots do it. I You got to be so smart to be a pilot. Yeah. My next door neighbor tells me that he's a pilot. So <laughs> I'll take his word for it. Right, Bill? Yeah, there you go. It's so, one of the things I, I loved about that book was it's still a lot of pilot skill. Yeah. 
Whereas kind of today, it's like, oh, I see a plane 20 miles away. I drop a missile and turn away. So, yeah. Yeah, kind of a different deal, but uh, a lot to think about for sure. So, uh, again, hats off to everyone in the military. But, uh, yeah, the pilots, what what's not to love? I mean, it's just, yeah, the need for speed is cool. So I'm going to take you on what I call the ultimate drive today. I am uh, I'm a dream come true for you because I have an unlimited checkbook. I will give you any car you'd like. You could be driving with anyone in the world, living or someone who's deceased. So that opens the world up to a lot of people. And you can be driving anywhere. So what does the ultimate drive look like for Tyke Durst? So you're actually not going to have to uh, spend any money because I'm taking my own car. You are? Okay. Yes. It would definitely be with my grandpa. Unfortunately, he passed away before I could really meet him, but he raced dirt ovals back in Nebraska. And really? Really into racing. Yes. No kidding. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm sorry you didn't get to get to know him uh, or meet him, but he raced on dirt ovals. That is fascinating. Yes, sir. Was, he, your, was your father? Or now, was he your dad's dad or your mom's dad? He was my mom's dad. And it's funny. We, we always make fun of my dad because we're like, oh, all the, all the racing stuff comes from my mom's side. <laughs> My grandpa tried to get my mom into racing. Um, unfortunately, it was back late 70s, early 80s. And being a girl, it was very, very hard for her just because she would always be getting made fun of. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I've had, I yes. think I've had about 400 women on this show, and many of them are race car drivers. And uh, even see the W Series where they're all, yeah. all women driving in that, which is pretty cool. So a lot more women coming in. But that's neat that it came from your, your mom's side. And what was your grandfather's Sir? name? Uh, Dwayne uh, Hilger. So. Dwayne. Nice. Well, that would be pretty darn cool. And I appreciate you saving me a few dollars uh, <laughs> by taking your own car. Now, where would you like to go for a ride with your grandfather? Do you have a place in the world you'd like to be driving with him? Oh, well, the roads around here are actually pretty good, but kind of, I'd want to go somewhere new. Yeah. I think somewhere like in the California mountains or somewhere just really curvy and hilly would be amazing. Yeah. There's some great drives in Northern California, uh, from the coast out over towards Napa Valley and up in those mountains. So, uh, that would be pretty darn cool. Maybe I, go ahead. I will steal some money from your checkbook to close the road. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you'll need some for the gas prices these days too. So yes. uh, yeah, happy to oblige. No problem. We've got unlimited funds here at Cars. Yeah. Fantasy world. So before <laughs> I let you go, could you share maybe some parting words of wisdom, guidance, or a success quote or a mantra that has meaning for you? I mean, you just kind of kind of put yourself in those uncomfortable situations. If If you're scared to send that text, it's probably a good thing that you're scared. So you should probably <laughs> send it. You know, very well said. Uh, and that's an awesome lesson for everybody. Yeah, good things happen when you're in uncomfortable situations, as long as it's not illegal. So don't do yes. that. Yeah, very cool. How can people follow you in your career, Tyke? Uh, I mainly use Instagram a lot, at uh, Tyke Durst, no capitalization, no spaces. And I don't have a website going, so I need to get one of those going. Yep, there you go. Well, that's something to work on. Uh, Tyke is spelled T Y K E. Last name, D-U-R-S-T. I encourage you listeners to follow this young man. I have no doubt that you're going places, Tyke. Uh, Thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing uh, the beginnings here of a wonderful career path for you. I wish you the best success. We'll be following you this year. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you for the time. You're welcome. And thanks again to Deb Pollock for uh, putting this together. Thanks, Deb. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe. 
that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!